Hello and welcome to Master Your Coaching Biz, a podcast for rising coaches and entrepreneurs who want to design the life of their dreams and make a massive impact on the world while building an inspired, successful, and profitable business. I'm your host, Cheryl Thacker, Master Board Certified Coach, trainer, ICF Mentor Coach, international speaker, and founder of Successful Coaches Enterprise. I believe that every coach has a unique gift to present to the world, and I'm humbled that I've had the opportunity to work with hundreds of coaches and entrepreneurs on their journey to mastering their business. Join me each week as we explore all things coaching to master your business with tools, techniques, and strategies to create and market your products, get visible, make an impact, and grow your business. Listen in on interviews with leading coaches and entrepreneurs sharing their stories and best tips to teach, inspire, and empower you. Observe coaching sessions, participate in Q&A, and learn how to master your mindset to enhance your coaching skills. Are you ready to build the life and business of your dreams while doing what you love? Let's get started. All right. Hey, guys. Welcome to today's episode of Master Your Coaching Biz, the podcast. And our guest today is Rebecca Weber from RebeccaLWeber.com. Make sure I get the initial in there. And Rebecca is a freelance journalist, writing coach, and she's also the host of the Writing Coach podcast. Hi, Rebecca. Welcome to the show. Hi. How are you? Thanks so much for having me. Good. I'm so glad that you're here. Tell us a little bit more about yourself. Yeah. So my background is both in education and journalism, and I've come to coaching in more recent years as well. As a journalist, I've written for publications like CNN, the New York Times, and many other much smaller publications as well. And I work with a lot of freelance writers who are interested in breaking into big name publications. And it's interesting because they often have a lot of the same mindset issues that people who are really brand new to writing who don't necessarily identify as a writer have. So yeah, I I love helping them overcome or at least manage those issues so that they can break into those publications. And then I also sometimes work with entrepreneurs who have a lot of writing to do themselves. They don't necessarily identify as a writer. I think that's the case with most coaches. Occasionally, there's a coach who, you know, is, you know, also a very successful author, but usually coaches find themselves doing a lot of writing or telling themselves they should be doing a lot of writing, but it's not necessarily the skill set that they really love and enjoy. Yeah. So I, um, I work with new coaches and the, the minute I say, you know, we need to have, you know, three blog posts on your website to start and then, you know, weekly, at least bi-weekly, you know, at the minimum, they're like, oh, I can't write. I don't know what to write. What am I going to write about? Um, you know, and so it's, it is an issue, I think for newer coaches, even more experienced coaches, like, I don't feel like I'm very uh, good at writing. I put it out there all the time, but I'm not real confident in it, but I'm a lot more than I was in the beginning. (laughs) So, yeah. So tell me, you know, a little bit about kind of what creates, I mean, I know it's confidence, but what can, what can a new coach kind of do to help create a mindset that says, you know what, I, I need to do this. I need to create content. I need to create connections, build relationships, and put my stuff out there in the world. Yeah. Well, I think that, look, everybody likes to be able to write when they're feeling confident. I can hear from the way you describe it that you enjoy it. I enjoy those days a lot too, but I don't necessarily rely or count on them every single day, even though I've got the skill set that I can look back and say, I've written all of these, you know, zillions of words. It doesn't mean that at that particular day that I necessarily am experiencing confidence about it. 
And so I think for most people getting started, it's just sort of clarity about why they want to do this. And initially, just sort of get comfortable with the idea that this actually isn't going to be perfect. It isn't going to be great. In fact, it's almost certainly not going to be. But we're going to get in there and get some practice and start building the um, fluidity and start seeing what it's like to get comfortable, at least, if not confident, but comfortable with writing first drafts that aren't that great, being able to come back and revise them. And then as we build that skill set, we can sort of see, well, I'm becoming more competent. I'm becoming more capable. And that typically does yield to those moments of confidence and being able to recognize them and seeing this is something I can start threading together. And yeah, really enjoying the confidence on the days that it's there and being okay with the fact that I've now become one of the many, many people who writes things that they're not thrilled with the very <laughs> first draft. I mean, I think that this is actually one of the biggest things that that people who are professional or full-time writers recognize is that they do not have the expectation that the first draft is going to be good, even though probably comparably, most people who are writing full-time probably have a better skill set at writing, but they just have lower expectations about the first draft. They know that the first draft isn't going to be great and they're going to be able to come back and rewrite it. And I think that sometimes people who have less experience actually have higher expectations. They want it to be great on the first the first yeah. words that they put out, they want it to be perfect. And it's just unfortunately not the way the creative per- process usually goes. Yeah. So would you say that that's, that's one of the bigger differences between full-time kind of professional writers and those that don't identify as writers? Yeah. Yeah. I feel like even with professional writers, something that we know, we have to keep reminding ourselves. <laughs> um, but you've had enough experience being like, okay, the last you know 20 articles I wrote weren't that great, the first draft, but I was able to come back evaluate them, see what else they needed. Sometimes it's coming back after a 15 minute break, you just go and get a cup of tea and then you come back or walk around a little bit. Sometimes it's the next day, but just having that little gap and being able to see it coming back and being like, what's working here? What's not working? How do I want to update this? In my own case, that's almost always cutting things out. It's almost always making it shorter and tighter. For some people, it's really small and tight. And they're like, I just need one more example. And when they come back and they say like, what's one more example? With a coach, a really easy thing to do is just to like pull on your repertoire of things that have worked with your clients for like little story examples. And for somebody who's really new, it might be something that has worked for them. Because I know very often coaches are coming into the profession because coaching has worked so well for them. So you might be able to tell a little story about uh, a transformation that you had, or even a transformation seems too big, you know, a little shift, a little change in terms of the work that you've done for yourself or with one of your clients. Yeah. Even just like an experience that you went through, I think is, you know, it's important to, I think part of the problem is, is that we get stuck on the topics, right? So what are we going to write about? When we have clients uh, in a steady stream of clients, it gets, I think it gets easier, but in the beginning, you're like, <laughs> you know, what do I write about? You know, you can write about your stories, your experiences. You can also just write about your opinions on things, right? It's your stand on things because that's what gets your beliefs out there. And, and you know, it starts to kind of build that that uh, rapport and trust and intimacy with your readers. Absolutely. Yeah. And I mean, I think that you can, you can mine your own life in terms of when you notice something, oh, here's the way I'm approaching this. It used to be different than I used to see it. And that can be like that little moment that you can share with your readers, but it can also be something you're reading about. Here's my take on current events. Here's what I don't think people are talking about that they should be talking about. You know, if you're somebody who's reading what's going on or listening to podcasts about what other experts in your field are, 
then you can say like, here's here's what they're not getting. Here's what's missing. And just, you don't even have to necessarily point out all the things that they're saying that are wrong, but just like sort of get to, here's the extra part that I can add to this conversation. Yeah, yeah, I like that. And then the other thing that, that we have to write for, which I think new coaches can get crazy about is their websites as well. Yeah, yeah. And I think it's interesting because I think the website is the one place that because we imagine everyone's going to be coming there, we put so much value on it. And I'll be perfectly honest. I mean, I think that sometimes it's cart before the horse. I mean, sometimes for somebody who's really, really brand new, I think that probably getting clients and reaching out to individuals is probably more important than getting the website up and done in a sort of, again, in a like final version, you know, or in a version you're like, this is definitely going to stay this way for this next year. And that's something that all websites are in flux and they do change and that you can adapt them. And that being said, again, it's sort of like you can think about in this case, you know, what is it that my client who's coming to the website or my potential client, I like to think of them as your clients like that Mm -hmm. haven't quite signed up yet. But, you know, if they were coming and sort of trying to check you out, what is it that you'd want them to know about? You know, what are the most um, important things to know and to just be able to, again, to be able to write it in such a way that you can recognize the first time you write it, you're going to need to come back, you know, see it again. Think think about what are additional examples that you can bring in and allow yourself that grace of saying like, this doesn't have to be perfect as it is the first go around. Yeah, I love that. And then um, the other thing I want to kind of think about and have your opinion on is, well, first of all, let me go back to the website thing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I know, like we say, you don't need a website to start your business and it should be the last thing. But I will say that that is actually a boost. I mean, my experience uh, with my coaches, it's a boost to their confidence when they have a website, right? Mm-hmm. So if you are going to take the time to create a website, again, it doesn't have to be perfect. You can actually have minimal you know, verbiage on there when you're first getting started because you don't have a whole lot to write about yet in, on your you know, your about me page or your experience with clients or anything like that. And so maybe you're just putting a couple statements, telling a little bit about your experience in life. And then for certified coaches, like, you know, your about page might be that you went to coaching school and how you liked it. And, you know, what, what makes you passionate about being a coach? It can be just really simple things, I think. And then that can create some, uh, some confidence to maybe branch out a little bit and, uh, and do those blog posts or the, the copy on your website. Um, so I just wanted to just kind of throw that in there. But also, um, when we look at uh, writing blogs or content, how do we tie that? Like, I know that, you know, I've been paid to post on, you know, provide blogs for other people, and other people have paid me to, to write on my blog. Let's talk about that a little bit. How does that writing really help coaches? Well, I think that when you're writing for somebody else's platform, whether it's, you know, somebody else's blog or, or you know, sort of a more, I don't want to say like traditional publication, but sort of like a, you know, a, a larger, more traditional publication that you are directly reaching their audience, right? And that they are different than the people who are already known to you or who already know you. And you have the ability to sort of shift the way that you're talking about things and experiment with what it's like to take your existing expertise and share it with a, with a different audience. So I feel like it's a really great experience for being able to work with different kinds of clients, to be able to potentially, like, say, speak in different kinds of venues. You know, how would I adapt this talk for different kinds of audiences? And yeah, it just means that because of the nature of publication, almost certainly it's going to be something that's going to be online. It's going to have longevity if it's got a link back to your 
website, or at least they can just Google your name and find you, then they people have a new way to get in get in touch with you. And it does, I think, oftentimes I think coaches need to go through multiple iterations of talking about what it is they do and how they help people mm-hmm. to become clear about their messaging. I mean, I think this is another really important thing about the editing, that sort of stage of editing and getting something from a draft to final for somebody else to read is that there's that stage of figuring out what we want to say. And then there's figuring out, I know what I'm going to say, but what are the words that I'm going to use to say it? And then finally, there's the actual revision stage. And I think people tend to go back and forth, but the more distinction that we have the clearer, the easier, the more fluid it tends to be. But when we're talking about your career in terms of what it is you do, you're almost certainly you're going to shift and evolve over time. So you figure Uh out, here's how I want to talk to people now. Here's how I'm going to talk about it. And let's see what the feedback is when I go out and either publish this or talk to somebody on a call or whatever the medium is that the communication is happening in. And then we can always go back to that, especially with the website, because that company's there and we have the ability to go in and, and tweak it easily. Yeah. And also, I think not only does it open you up to to new, like different audiences, but it also expands your audience. Like if you if you're writing for somebody that has the same target audience, well, now you've just exposed yourself to to more of your audience. Right. And then if you're just trying to tweak or add to your audience, then you get in front of somebody that doesn't have the same audience as you. I think they're both very positive experiences for us. So kind of going along those lines. So just to if we're looking to scale our business, if we're looking to grow, really getting our content out there and seen by, you know, either again, expanded audiences of the of our current audience or, or looking at adding audiences. Mm-hmm. What are the most important things that you think uh, we need to kind of pay attention to when we're kind of pitching for, you know, to be on somebody else's website or somebody's publication? Yeah. And I think this this extends as well to if you want to be on somebody else's podcast or be a speaker at somebody else's event, that when you're thinking about pitching yourself, I think the biggest thing, most important thing to start with, at least at the beginning is to, at the beginning of the process rather, is really trying to understand who the audience is and what their needs are. And when people skip over this and they just want to say, well, here's my, you know, here's my sort of cookie cutter approach of what I've got to say, then we sort of miss this opportunity to really, to really connect solidly with that audience. And so if we have that ability to sort of say, like, let me analyze, sometimes it's as simple as asking, you know, very often publications will have a description about who it is that they're trying to reach. And sometimes it's a matter of asking who it is, like who specifically are we talking to? And once you have that, then you'll have the ability to create something that is really specific for them, that it's developed for them, and that you won't sort of get to the end of the stage and say, like, I've got this sort of generic pitch for an article or a generic, you know, podcast idea, generic speech idea, but I'm not quite sure who it is. And then I have to go back and sort of figure out from the beginning again, like, who is this actually going to be for? And I think that if you approach it this way, thinking about their them and reading it from the very beginning... Who am I going to be writing for from the very beginning? What I want them to know um, that that, and what do I want them to experience that will allow you a much cleaner through line all the way, all the way through. And I think for many people, it gives that clear sense of motivation as well. Since most coaches are in this to try and help people, it's like, what do I want their takeaway to be? Like, you know, what is, the, how do I want to inspire them? What do I, tool do I want to share with them? Whatever it is, yeah. let's, <clears throat> let's have that in mind in the, in, from, from as early as possible in the process. Yeah. And I think also it's important that we listen or read the the current publications, like the 
If it's somebody's blog, read their current blog posts. If you're going to be, if you want to pitch yourself to be on a podcast, read the pot, you know, listen to the podcast or read the transcriptions. I get people that ask me for, to be on my podcast. And unless I'm reaching out for people, then I don't really care too much because I'm reaching out. But when I have people pitch to me and they don't, you know, it doesn't, I can tell that they've never listened to the podcast or they don't know my audience, then sometimes, you know, it just doesn't make any sense. So, uh, you know, if you're going to pitch yourself, make sure you know the audience. Uh, I actually have a template that I give my coaches, which tells them to fill out these three bullet points about the blog or about the podcast or whatever. And this way you, you, you know it, you've had to, you've done your homework and you've had to do some work because that's what it's all about is doing some work to, uh, to, to show some uh, return on. Yeah, I love that. I love that that framework of just being that that diligent of like, and and all I need is just these three bullet points really to be able to get ready. And if you've written that out, particularly if it's a publication, ideally that's going to be a good fit, and you're going to be able to write for them again and again and again. That it's not just a one time thing going to all the effort of finding them, or maybe they found you. But either way, if you're analyzing, reading the publication, it's have you writing for them many times this year and next year, the year after. Yeah. Awesome. So let's talk about if somebody's blocked. So mm-hmm. if they're really truly blocked and they just can't, you know, they can't verbalize or they can't write, you know, what is what does that look like and what do they do about it? Yeah. Well, what it looks like, like you see <laughs> in the movies, right? It's sort of like it usually. I think it usually actually looks like something completely away from your computer or away from your, you know, your word processing or your notebook or whatever, right? It looks like going on to social media. It looks like going out to the gym. It looks like something completely else, right? And basically, I think what's going on with writer's block is that you're having some kind of thought that is really unhelpful because it is generating an emotion that these two things combined is leading to this inaction, leading to this not writing. And I think that like anybody can have this on a given day, you know, I don't feel like doing this. This is too hard. I don't know what to say. Any of those kind of thoughts, right? <laughs> it leads to frustration, boredom, doubt, whatever. And in in those instances, it leads to not writing. I don't think if you have a bad morning, I don't think that's writer's block. But then the next day, you now have a thought about not having written yesterday, right? And that sort of compounds and leads to either a stronger feeling or an additional feeling. In this case, it might be like, I really should have done this yesterday, now you also feel shame on top of the frustration of not knowing yeah. what's right. So and so and that's how I think we get into a block that it just becomes this continual thing of reinforcing more thoughts, more feelings about um the block. So to the extent possible, I mean, as as a writing coach, I, I can promise you that people who have written for the BBC, the New York Times, the Guardian, they all go through this. They all experience this <laughs> as well. This is not something for newbies. And we try to figure out what is really the thought and the feeling that is leading to this block. A lot of times with professional writers, it'll be a situation where they can do their work for a certain client, but not for another one, or they can work on their creative project, but not their paid work or vice versa. Like there's some part of their writing life that's working okay. And that is a really strong indication that is really just the way that you're thinking about this particular blog post or email or whatever it is Mm -hmm. that is blocking you. So if you can start to identify that, Sometimes it's identifying what actually the thought is. It's leading to the feeling and the inaction. Sometimes it's noticing what the inaction is. Like when you're, when you have writer's block and you, you might notice like it's always, I don't know, it's always potato chips. Like, you know, like it's, you know, there might be something that you always do. It's always Instagram, something like that. You can notice this behavior indicates that I'm avoiding, you know, the, the, the sense that I'm, I'm, I'm concerned that I might feel inadequate while I'm doing it or whatever it is. So if we can identify those things, it helps shed some light. 
and helps us identify like what's a different way that I can think about this. Again, maybe not going all the way to confidence, like from not writing at all because I feel like an imposter or a fraud because I'm not really a writer, any of that kind of stuff. But we can shift shift it away enough or move a little bit on the continuum so we can say something like, you know what, this isn't going to be great. This isn't going to be perfect, but I can do this for 10 minutes or I can do a one page or I can do a first draft or something like that. Something that feels bearable. Mm-hmm. And again, I'll just remind everyone that thing about the first draft is going to be not that good. Like that that's like, I'm just going to write a first draft that isn't ready that I don't, that nobody's going to read, but it'll help me get out of this, this block that I'm stuck in. Yeah. Okay. I like that. That makes sense. Totally. So um, we're actually coming down to the other time of our time that went quick. What would you, just for somebody that, that says like, I'm not a real writer, I, you know, they have that imposter syndrome for like a new coach. What would be a, a tip, a kind of final tip for them? Yeah. So I feel like this is a thought that is not useful. And again, comes up with professional writers all the time. They'll have variation of it. It's I'm not a real writer because I haven't done this. I'm not a real writer because I don't have a book. I have, I'm not a real writer because it's not on the bestseller list, like whatever it is. And so for me, my definition of a writer is somebody who writes. And I like to then look for what's a true fact about you in writing. Like, did you write this morning? Or, you know, I am a writer as opposed to a real writer or a good writer, any that kind of thing. <laughs> I wrote this morning for five minutes. It you you might have other thoughts about that five minutes, but at least it sort of challenges the narrative that you're not a writer. I yeah. wrote that email yesterday. Yeah. I or I, that you know, I wrote that card or I wrote that note to somebody, right? These are all things yes. that I always said that I wasn't a writer. My mother said, You write beautiful emails. Mm-hmm. And, and so I had to take that in, right? I get to say, okay, well, I'm going to pretend I'm writing an email, <laughs> you know, That's so a- there's ways to to overcome that. But yeah, so I, I like that though, changing your mind uh, and changing the narrative. That's, that's really important. I think. Yeah. What a helpful thought your mom offered you. That's a yes. really nice one. Yeah, it was, it was, she liked, she liked my emails anyway. <laughs> so yeah. Awesome. Okay. So guys. Uh, I hope you got a lot out of this. And, um, you know, those mindset shifts have to come in different, you know, for different forms for us. Writing is just one of them. But, you know, it's something that we always have to work on. So um, thank you so much, Rebecca, for joining us today. And Rebecca has a free gift for us. And it's, well, tell us, what is that? How to pitch? Yeah, Yeah, it's a guide on how to pitch. It just includes the steps that I recommend that you are aware of and that you include in a pitch if you're sending a story idea to a publication for consideration. Yeah. Awesome. Okay. Great. And we'll have that link, of course, in the show notes as well as um, Rebecca's website and social media so you can connect with her. Thank you again, Rebecca, for joining us. Thanks, guys. And I'll see you on the next episode. Bye-bye. Thanks so much. It's a real pleasure. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you so much for listening in today. I'm so glad we got to spend this time together. If you love today's show, please consider leaving me a review on the Apple Podcast app so other coaches can find the podcast. For more information about me, visit SuccessfulCoaches.com. For daily inspiration and affirmations, follow me on Instagram at Coach Cheryl Thacker. Be sure to send me a DM so I can say hello. Until next time, to your success.